This episode is brought to you in part by Richmond Graduate University. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly. Richmond Graduate University can equip you to become a licensed professional counselor, integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. Fellas, I'm ready to get up and do my thing. I want to get into it, man, you know. Like, I, you know I'm the man, don't you? Can I count it off? One, two, three, four. You're listening to the Church Politics Podcast with Michael Ware and Justin Gibney, where you can get in-depth political analysis from a Christian worldview. Transcend partisanship and political ideology with us as we seek true discipleship in the public square. This is the Church Politics Podcast with Michael Ware and Justin Gibney. This week, we have a special episode for you, an interview with State Senator Katrina Jackson of Louisiana. Senator Jackson is really an incredible leader. I'm so excited for you to hear from her as she'll be interviewed by Erica Collier. Uh, Erica is a member of Ann Campaign's Leadership Council. She is uh, a content creator. She does work in real estate in Atlanta through Finding Home Atlanta. Uh, and she's just been a close partner with Justin and I and the AM campaign community for, uh, for a long time. We're, we're just so excited that she was able to do this, uh, do this interview. Justin and I have been uh, busy doing, uh, interviews our, ourselves and, and getting ready for the book launch which is on Tuesday, July 21st, just a, really a few days away. Justin and I and Chris Butler, uh, who's on Anne's executive team, our co-author, we're just so excited for this book to get into your hands. Uh, we learned from our publisher today that they were temporarily uh, sold out of, of books. University Press, we've been seeing pre-sales really going well. We just, we're excited to get this resource in, in your hands. We, we think this is going to be a, we, we wrote this to be a practical guide, uh, for Christians, uh, really laying out the AND campaign's, uh, framework. And we think this is gonna be of service. To, to you, especially in this season where politics is going to be saturating things like it hasn't already. So I would encourage you to get Compassion and Conviction, the Anne Campaign's Guide to Faithful Civic Engagement. Uh, pre-order it if you can. Uh, if you, uh, uh, it comes out on Tuesday, you'll be able to get it at bookstores near you. Check out your independent bookseller. It's on Amazon. It's on all the, all the traditional sources for getting books. And, um, uh, this is going to be a, this is going to be a cool thing. We're excited to see what God does. All right. Without further ado, I'm going to toss it over to my colleague, Erica Collier, who's going to introduce State Senator Katrina Jackson. This is the Church Politics Podcast. You're listening to the Church and Politics Podcasts, normally hosted by Michael Ware and Justin Gibney, where you can get in-depth political analysis from a Christian worldview, transcend partisanship and political ideology with us as we seek true discipleship in the public square. 
Today, I am your host, Erica Collier, member of the Anne Campaign Leadership Council, activist through content creation concerning critical issues and advocating through agency in the Atlanta housing market at Finding Home Atlanta. Today, I have the honor of representing the Whole Life Project, which is an Anne Campaign initiative that seeks to address abortion differently not as progressives or conservatives, but as believers who love our neighbors and protect human dignity. Um, We want to kind of create a new narrative that upholds the compassion and the conviction of the gospel by being uniquely pro-woman and pro-child. And I cannot think of a better special guest to have in this present moment in time than the Honorable Senator Katrina Jackson, you guys. She is with (laughs) us. Hey, Katrina. Hey, how's it going? Good to be here. I'm so glad to have you. It's good to it's good to have you on. I'm going to tell our audience a little bit about you. Uh, there's so much to know, and we'll save most of that for the questions. But I do want them. To, I do. I would like to set it up just to kind of let people know who you are. And I was really taken aback by this uh, first quote in your biography or your bio. It says, "Anyone who knew Katrina Jackson at age three would be able to tell you one thing: she was going to be a lawyer and fight for people." And that is exactly what she does today, both as an attorney and a senator representing parts of Ouachita, Morehouse, Richland, Tensas, Madison, East Carroll, and Concordia parishes in the Louisiana legislature. She is the lead author of a recently popularized uh, act called the Unsafe Abortion, excuse me, Unsafe Abortion Protection Act. She says that one force that can't be denied is her love and devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. She knows she is an imperfect person doing all she can to submit to the will of God daily in all areas of life. And she attributes her accomplishments not just to having a dream, but one that lines up with God's plan for her life, which is so, so amazing. And we're going to learn more about that as she speaks with us today. She has so many accolades. She has many committee assignments in the Senate, lead positions, awards. She's the vice chair of education, Senate committee of finance and joint legislative committee on the budget, Senate committee of insurance, Senate committee of agriculture. She is a member of the Juvenile Justice Reform Act Implementation Commission, Secretary and member of Louisiana Legislative Legislative Women's Caucus. So, so many accolades. Uh, how do you feel about that? What when you look at this list? Um, and just be honest. Like, what? What? How? How do you digest all of this? I mean, you have a very, very uh, wonderful resume and. What's even more is it sounds like there's a real heart behind it. Can you tell us? Because today our goal is really to get to know you. Yeah, I, I tell people sometimes when you hear it, you are overwhelmed because you don't feel that sufficient. Mm. And, 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 and I want to really speak to those who have a calling um, mm. where they don't feel sufficient because the calling is always greater than you think your ability is. And so when I first hear it, I kind of tear up because I almost feel insufficient. And then the scripture that comes to mind that really takes me back into operating um, in the capacity which God has me in, and and it makes me stop feeling so sufficient as I would have died if I hadn't seen the reward of the the Lord in the land of the living. Mm. And what I realize is that... um, we're, we're never going to be sufficient in the flesh. But as we bow down to the Lord, as yes. we worship him, as we serve him in our imperfect selves, that mm. the spirit in us makes us sufficient. So when I hear that, um, mm. I almost get like, oh, God, 
do I do all this? Do I deserve all this? Do I really walk in it to the mm. best of my ability and, and, and to serving people? And then I, I just hear that scripture and I say, well, God, you know what? This is the reward of the Lord in the land of the living. And because of who you are in me, not because of anything I am, I am sufficient enough to carry out this journey. Wow. That is such an encouraging word. Wow. I, I mean, it's such a wonderful thing when you are able to speak with people or meet people like you who do have so many accolades behind their name, but just to come and be blessed to encounter a real person. Um, so thank you so much for your honesty on that. Today, we want to talk a little bit more about why you decided to get into politics. Can you tell us what was your driving force and what did that process look like for you to get actually get into politics? You know, this is the first time I'm telling this story. Well, not the first, but well, I feel like it's befitting because in a political arena, you have all these interviews and they're centered around the natural realm of politics. And, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm happy to be on, on in a place that doesn't. But mm. I was serving, uh, I had served as um, a student worker and law clerk in law school for um, former Representative Willie Hunter, and I never wanted to go into politics. Mm. I used to say, um, I, I don't want, I had heard this quote on a movie, and I thought it was befitting to me because afterwards I served as a labor committee attorney, mm-hmm. and he was chairman. And then in the district I now sit in, this will blow your mind. In the district I now sit in, after serving for 16 years in the House, he was um, defeated wow. in a minority district by a non-minority. And that wow. is now the district that I sit in. And I worked his campaign never knowing that God was going to, 12 years later, I followed wow. the person that defeated him. And um, never planned, but I was serving as executive director of the Black Caucus at the time, and I served there for five years. And I used to use this quote. I heard it in a movie, and I thought it was so cool. I said, I never want to be the, the king. I want to mm. be the king maker because you never have to deal with the scrutiny of the king, but you have access to everything the king has. And I, I had lived my life, honestly, for years like that and, and never thought that God would call me. But it was after term limits, and I was uh, serving as executive director of the Black Caucus, legislative Black Caucus in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. And I um, remember falling to my knees one night. And it was maybe it was late at night. It was one of those prayer moments. Mm. And um, not being critical of anyone at the time, but I said, God, the new members and the governors, it, they are all passing a lot of tax credits, tax rebates, which is something really good for businesses sometimes. Mm-hmm. But we were in a heightened deficit after Katrina. I mean, a heightened surplus. And so they were spending one-time money on permanent expenditures. And I remember crying out to God. I said, God, this is going to devastate the people. Mm. And they don't realize that it's never going to bring the return that they believe. And we're going to hit a deficit. And I heard the word run. And I looked around the room because I was in a dark room praying and um, in my in in my house. And And I got up and went to bed. And the next night I was on the phone with one of my friend girls who's a minister of the gospel. And mm-hmm. I was, it was two some in the morning. And, and when you're, when you're working in an arena like that, you sent, you tend to wake up in the middle of the night and just begin to pray. And I was in that phase where I would just wake up and pray. And I called her cause I had prayer partners who I knew who I could call at a certain hour. It was, it's a major network that God gives you even before you realize why you're going to need it. Right. Yes. So I, can, two I, I, wanted to call her and I said, girl, I said, this is, and this is a long answer, but this is a testimony. I said, I'm this listening. <laughs> yeah. I said, I, I don't feel as though people really know what they're 
what what the consequences will be. The state is going to be in utter dismay. She mm-hmm. said to me, she said, God has already told you to run, but he says you're ignoring him. I cried. It was, let me tell wow. you, I was 30, and I give this testimony, <laughs> I was 32, 33 years old, and um, I had a con- very lucrative contract, and I still mm-hmm. practice law with my firm at home. Okay. So life was good, you know? Yes, in a sense I can understand. Of that. And um, so I went back to bed, and I was still disobedient, because I want to be very transparent. I was still, I did, I said, God, <laughs> now I had heard that she had heard, I said, God, this ain't you. It's not you. <laughs> I went Southern on God. This ain't you. You know how we do that ain't? Yes, I know exactly, especially in those songs. moments. Yeah, we don't use the King's English when we're denying things. So I said, no, <laughs> and um, I was, um, I had this minister who yes. um, I would, rot- when I was in Baton Rouge, because my family's in Monroe where I'm serving now, mm-hmm. and I was on the contract in Baton Rouge. So I would go out to eat with her every uh, Sunday that I was in town. Okay. And just enjoy life. And she was 60. She was young. She was older than me, but we were enjoying life and we would spend all Sunday together because I was not used to being away from my family on Sundays. Okay. And um, we were, I was driving her home after a long Sunday evening and she started crying. And I said, um, did I do something to you? What's wrong? She said, God said, I have to let you go. I said, did I do something to you? You know, we had spent wow. countless Sundays and she said, no, Katrina. She said, God told me to tell you it's time for you to go run for office. I almost Ooh. ran up the road. Do you hear me? I bet you did. So you were driving. <laughs> I was driving and I almost ran off the road. And That's a brave I friend. I was still a bit disobedient because at this mm-hmm. point I'm at home weeping and telling God this is not what I want. Wow. I was at home weeping. I had some I had some days after that where I was weeping. The last call came through from a pastor who I barely knew that I met in the legislative process. And he said, you know, this district had been created. I think you'll really be good for it. So wow. after session, I went home very unwillingly. But I always went home right after session because I would go to the law firm. Mm-hmm. And um, I was set to be at home two weeks like I normally am to, to kind of get my legal affairs in order for my clients. And uh, okay. the Holy Spirit wouldn't let me leave without announcing my candidacy. And that's how wow. it started. And I know it's a long story, but that's how it started. I appreciate and I'm sure our listeners appreciate that long story because it's a real story. And I think in times like these, we need to hear real stories, you know, the the ups and the downs of it, because anything worth fighting for has a cost. And you certainly have a record of things worth fighting for. So I'm just honored that I get to be the one to sit here and ask you these questions and listen. So I'm oh, going to so keep nice. asking. I know I'm so, so sincere. I mean it. So you, you've shared this very transparent process of how you got into law. Tell me now that you're there and now that you, you've gone through this journey, I'm sure you're still in the journey. But having had um, much more experience now from from now, excuse me, from the time that you were um, in the story that you just told to now, what are your priorities as a legislator now? My priority, and I'm not just saying this because I'm on your show, is always to first serve God. You know, oh, yes, what God yes, told me yes. that was this, that life is temporal. Mm-hmm. Our, every day, you know, if we live to be 99 or 100, life is temporal. He said, Katrina, imagine how much more temporal, how much shorter your political yes. life is. And so can I be very blunt? Perspective, yes. Yeah, perspective. <laughs> and I said, can I, and I'm going to be blunt with you. I tell people, I said, my number one goal is to serve God. 
Mm. And to be his senator, his representative, and his voice, because I, I did enough to go to hell. I wanted to do I wanted to do something to honor him enough to see his face. And I know that's very blunt, mm-hmm. but I tell people that I say, you know, when people say, "Why do you make these decisions in politics?" and "How can you be a black female um, Democrat and be pro life?" Yeah. And you know, and um, I passed prayer and school bills, and people said, "What about the separation of church and state?" I say, well, "That may be your mandate, but it's not mine." And you know, sometimes wow. that's a very bold thing to say. When yes. you know the Supreme Court has somewhat announced a separation of church and state, and people yes. are somewhat believing it, and you almost look like, "What's wrong with her?" And and then <laughs> you know, so so that's my number one priority is to serve God, and, and that comes. In such an array of ways that it's transformative. It, it doesn't, you know, God is so awesome and he's omnipresent and omniscient and he knows everything. And yes, so he'll he drop things in your spirit legislatively and, and, and even in community service in your district that you'll almost think, you know, is impossible. So mm. education for me was something um, that was near and dear to my heart. I never served on the education committee to this year and now I'm vice chair. Wow. But it was near and dear in my heart because I, I knew that as education was a pathway for a lot of children to get out of situations. It's and true, so yeah. uh, education uh, and funding, funding education in Louisiana has become a priority for me, um, major priority. And um, being a whole life Democrat, just being a whole life person. Yes. Uh, and that means that I advocate from life from uh, the womb to the tomb. That's right. And so, yes, uh, they, you know, so it's a peculiar position to be in because you, you have to look at every situation, you know, uh, on whether or not it really supports life. Like I believe um, that God is supreme. And so I don't believe in abortion, but I also believe that there are times when our judicial system is flawed. So I re- I don't support the death penalty. Oh. And I, I consider that part of my whole life stance. Uh I believe that all of us should have an opportunity to experience the American dream and that Mm. God is not selfish in his blessings. And so in the legislature, it's a fine tuning that you do. And so being a business owner myself, yes, but knowing that many may not have access to business ownership at this time and that Mm -hmm. the schools have to be funded and it's just a balancing. And so those are my priorities. But my number one top priority is serving God. I'm coming from a heavy agriculture district. Mm-hmm. Um, agriculture is the number one industry in Louisiana, uh, but I don't stay in, in, in. I stay in somewhat of a rural area, but not rural enough for people going to, you know, be yes. like, "Why are you so big on agriculture?" Well, it's all over my district, <laughs> and so well, that makes I'm sense. Big, yeah, I'm, I'm big on that, and and really just serving people. That I, I can't say that enough. It is that's my priority, and, and it changes daily. You know, I can't say as a legislature legislator, and I know that. People know me because of my uh, Unsafe Abortion Act, and they know me because of my whole life stance. Um, mm-hmm. But really, it, it, it's, it's a diverse platform that God puts you on when you really want to serve him. That's so, so true. It, it doesn't have the limits or the traditional, I guess, bounds when you're really 
listening to him. And as I listened to you, my next question was, what do you think some of the most pressing issues um, that face your constituency today? But you, you kind of covered that. You talked about um, serving people, really, and that's education that is being concerned about agriculture because it's all throughout your district. Did you mention some other things? I just want to make sure I caught that. Healthcare and education. Healthcare and education, yes. Okay. All and of these I things. Say, yeah. And let me tell you, I, I, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but no, I'm in no. a district that, um, in the Delta of Louisiana. Okay. And the Delta was considered, and I just picked that up in October because I was okay. in the House and now I'm in the Senate. So hmm. in the Delta, it was considered at one time the poorest re- re- region in the nation. Wow. And in in that part of my district that's very rural, that's about okay. an hour and a half away from my home. Mm-hmm. And so uh, fighting poverty um, is yes. major for me. Fighting poverty, breaking the systemic uh, cycle of pro- poverty. And I know it's a touchy subject, but even racism, because God is love. That's right. And so, that is so true. Uh, I'm, I, I'm probably a little bit different in how I deal with it. But just bringing churches together. One, Someone mm-hmm. once told me a few years ago, they said, what is the most divided day of the mm, week. I already and I know. Said, what? And they said Sunday. Yeah. They said Sunday. And I it's began true. to look around and I said, Oh my God. Every day we go to work with people that don't look like us. Yeah. That don't come from the neighborhoods we come from. Mm-hmm. Um, on Saturday, if you go to the movie and, and the restaurant, you're around people that don't look like you and don't come from the same area you come from. But on mm-hmm. Sunday, we are divided and not not intentionally. So my goal with racism, one of my goals in er- eradicating racism was bringing the churches together. That is That's a great place. That's a great place to, to start that mission. I mean, we have the truth. We have the truth that every single person has God's unique stamp or his unique image on them. And that only that only makes sense. And the more I listen to you, the more I'm reminded of that scripture or when someone asked Jesus, what was the most important commandment? And I, I really, really love that because someone was asking him for one commandment. They were looking for, you know, a one size fit all. What's the one thing I can do? But Jesus was not content to give him just one answer. He gave them two. And I think it was on purpose. And I think there's such a big message. He says, the first one is love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your mind. It reminds me of what you said, that your goal, your highest goal is really to to work for him, for God. Right. And so but he says the second one is like it. And I think what that is, is that first one informs the second one. And I see it so powerfully in your story and in your legislator. And that is to love your neighbor as yourself. They're inseparable. So I'm just so encouraged to hear you talking about, hey, well, first, I serve God. That's that's my goal as a legislator, you know, and you said it was bold. But you know what? It was bold when Jesus said it, too. I'm pretty sure, especially as he coupled it. And what a refreshing um, situation I'm in right now, getting to interview you talking about this in such a critical time. We are in very interesting time. So you're such a breath of fresh air. Your faith is such a breath of fresh air. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. And no problem. You, you, we, as we said earlier, um, in your, in your introduction, and you also mentioned it, you are the lead author of a major pro-life legislation. That is profound, first of all. Can you tell me why you're pro-life? What specifically, I know you, we spoke about your faith, but, but why pro-life? It's, it's the faith. 
it, it first starts there. It's um, I was 20 some years old and I was sitting in a church, Faith, Hope and Love Worship Center in Baton Rouge. It was the first mm-hmm. time I had left the church I was born in because I had gone to law school and uh, and uh, I was working in the Capitol and I and I joined the church in law school and he was doing in-depth studies and he got to Proverbs 16 chapter and it says six things that God hate. Number seven is an abomination. Mm. And one of those six things was the shedding of innocent blood. And yes. see, I'd have read that scripture before, right? Because you read yes. it. Uh, and the, the first thing you think about as a child is murder, the physical mm. act of, of shooting someone or stabbing someone. So, and he said, you know, mm. he, he related it back to abortion. Wow. And then he said, what's more innocent than a child that has never been born into a life of sin that has known no sin. Mm. And so at that moment, I was like, Oh my God. My thought process was transformed because I didn't see abortion as a choice anymore. Mm. And I don't know if I ever did. I just never been confronted with it that big. And so that's why I'm pro-life. And what a profound story that you're sharing that, you know, it's so good that you had that revelation. What would you say to anybody else? What is one thing that you wish that other pro-life advocates understood about elected officials so like within your position so you told me about where this conviction came from where you were how it went on in your mind what the uh, individual was sharing with you about scripture what do you want to tell other people who maybe are not in politics but do participate in politics or want to what should they know about pro-life advocates and understand about other elected officials in the political process Um, I would say to them this, um, that you have to understand that legislators come from different walks of life Mm. and they come from different districts and they come from different experiences. As an advocate, you're going to meet some legislators who have made up their mind that they're pro-life. You're going to meet others that are on the fence and you're going to meet some that are absolutely pro-choice. The one thing that you can do in educating them is to show them love. And be kind, because by loving kindness do you win anyone? And so, wow. when you look at advocate, you know, advocating in that area, you have to do it in a manner where you don't condemn. And I, I and, that and, and that's powerful. it. You know, that is powerful. That's it. Yeah, um, you don't condemn. I have friends in the legislature that are pro-choice and stomp the floor. And after the bill, we laugh and hug. And 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 now, let me tell you, because of your love for each other. They'd be like, oh, you about to take up this bill. Let me just sit down. I'm tired of you today. You know, but it's a a funny laughter, but Mm -hmm. we don't challenge each other as much. And and so I would say for advocates to be the loving people that you are, because if you're if you're pro-life, there's some love somewhere in you for each human being. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've seen so many mean statements. And I'll be honest with you. And and nobody probably wants to hear this about Justice Ruth uh, Bader Ginsburg. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've heard jokes. Oh, she has nine lives. Oh, she's sick. I pray for her every time she goes in a hospital. Wow. You know, yeah. and, and some people forget that as advocates that we're still called to pray because, you know, yeah. I, I heard I heard a comment one time that almost you know just took me. It was it was just it took me in a place. They said, "Man, she just keeps coming back," which indicated or which implied that you yeah. were hoping. That mm. the, the, the last time she went in the hospital, and it's funny, we're saying it's because she just went in the hospital yesterday or the day before, would be the day she didn't come out. 
And I uh-huh. said that a part of us has to be, you know, we always have to operate in love. And so that's what I would tell an advocate to know about us, that we go through bad days as legislators. Mm-hmm. We come to that floor and the things that you deal with at home, we deal with at home. The calls that you get in the middle of the day that almost take your breath the way we get them. But we're mm-hmm. still challenged to come to the floor. And the, that remember that we're imperfect people. That's and if we one. know him, trying to do the will of God. So when you advocate, advocate in love. If you're coming to the legislature, if you, if you think this is where God is taking you and you've heard from him, mm. uh, be uh, open to God's plan. Yes. And be open to his voice. Because I told somebody it's almost sitting in the belly of the beast sometimes. Yeah, I bet. You I know, only and so that's what I would say to advocates. To love and love even those who disagree with you. I, I'm sure that that goes a long way in diplomacy. Would you say so in your experience? Oh, yes. Yes. If, 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 if you, the only thing when I'm stripped of everything on that floor and look, I've had moments where I thought I was stripped of my dignity. Mm. I've had moments where I felt like um, I was stripped of my strength. Wow. On the floor, I've, I've had moments where I felt like, God, why, why am I doing this? And the only thing I've had at that moment is a member who I'm very close to, to wow. speak life into me. Love. And, and Love. I'm telling you, and people don't understand that I've had moments where I've had to walk a member on the floor because her son went to jail and the press was trying to get to her. And I've had times where they had to walk me on the floor because things were being reported and so there is the when you when you don't have anything else you have love because remember we're imperfect people and people sometimes look at us like we're perfect and so they don't realize the day we go through sometimes and i'm not complaining this is a ministry Mm -hmm. yes and so that's why love and diplomacy is so important because everybody has a weak moment in politics most people um try to approach you in that moment and, and, and try to publicize it. But mm. what really helps is if you're the person that loves on them and covers them in that moment. That is such a, a beautiful testimony of the practicality of love, right? It's just such a, such a simple thing. It's not easy, but it can be a simple thing. And it also is such a, it goes so far, <laughs> just a simple, a simple kind act, even hearing you talking about having rough days and having that one person say something to you, even in my own life uh, with five children, you know, and there's all these needs and these homeschooling things that we're doing. But if I just have one child or my husband comes to me and says, you know, you're doing a good job, just it definitely does change. And I can only imagine what that must be like on the Senate floor. Literally, I can only imagine it. We'll see what the Lord has. But um, <laughs> with that, talking about having a hard day, by the way, we talk a lot about uh, Christians not fitting perfectly into one party or another party because we don't necessarily that our parties are not our God. So we talk about that a lot. How has it been for you to be uh, a Democrat with a pro-life position? Has that at all put you at odds with other Democrats? If so, how have you dealt with that? What does it feel like? Um, what you just said, that sometimes <laughs> you don't belong. <laughs> mm. And um, 
you know, people are critical. I, I, I'm in a unique situation in my state because there's a lot of um, pro-life Democrats, even in the legislature. But then I have black caucus member. Look, when I when I, I think when I passed this bill, I was chair of the black caucus. And so some didn't agree, but out of respect, even if they debated it, um, mm-hmm. they were they were very kind, even if they didn't agree. But, but, you know, when I travel, um, it, it, it gets hard sometimes and people look at you like, what is she mm-hmm. doing? And yeah. so that's what it is. Yeah, I can only imagine. I know there are some Republicans who, who might say the same thing. What is she doing? Like, I don't understand that. I was watching an interview in preparation for this interview um, and your name came up just simply because of the... Um, the act that you uh, were the lead author in. So, and that was the exact comment. How does she do this? What is she doing? You know, and I, I'm so thankful to hear it from you that you say that you have a conviction and that you, you answer primarily to the Lord. And I can't even tell you how, like I said, what a breath of fresh air it is to see somebody standing for what you believe in. Apparently, People would have known that about you when you were three. Is that correct? They knew that I was going to not. They didn't know my stance. But my mom would tell you that I debated. I took up from my sisters and brothers. I'm, I come from a family of five with four, three sisters and one brother. Wow. And um, she said I was always the one that mouthed off and had to get a spanking. Always the one that asked why. <laughs> always. The one. She said Eddie. And then when they whooped me, she said you would cry forever. So it got to the point where people just say, leave her alone, don't even whoop her. <laughs> you know? and she said, don't even, you know, because my sisters and brothers wouldn't want to hear me cry for an hour. And um, she mm-hmm. said, you were always the one that wanted to search your opinion. Mm. And I think I was about three or four and people started asking me what I was going to be. And I would tell them a dancer and a lawyer. And, and I had not met a lawyer. My mom would look at me and she said it would be strange. You know, it just was strange. If, if, mm-hmm. Look, if somebody looked at my preschool records, you know how you used to make you bubble <laughs> in what you were going to be. It was dancer and law, yes. right? Oh, and wow. So, wow. And so I know it's God's calling. Um, mm-hmm. I'm telling you, this is, this, this is, I, I, I guess what I want to say mm-hmm. is, is truly for people to understand that this is, what we do is God. It's not like we are special people in the sense of like we're better than anyone else or that. You know, that is the favor of God. Yes. But it's yes. God. And and um, this is how I look at it. People say, wow, she's a senator. Well, that just means that God was able. And see, look at it like this. Yeah. That God saw fit to make a majority of people that voted mm-hmm. in your that election choose you. Because the what? king heart is in God's hand. So God took mm. every king, whether it was 6,000 that voted in your election or 50,000 or a million. God put every and every king heart that touched the button for you, the will to vote for you, the the heart to vote for you, because there are people who you know that you've gone to school with and that you work with and that you walk with that wouldn't want to see you promoted over them. And we've seen that before. And the Bible says that. And so but for God controlling each hand that pushed the level for you. Mm. And so. You know, so we're not special people in the sense of that you don't owe this to the world. Mm. We're just ministers of government that God has selected to use for this time with all of our imperfections and making us who he needs us to be 
and advocating for the things he would have us to advocate for. And that's really what I would tell people that people look at politicians and elected officials like they have some type of hierarchy, hierarchy over them. Is this true? It's not the truth. We're, we're there for service. Yes. We're there for service. A servant leadership. Well, I have one more question um, before we get off on this. Obviously, you are a leader. You're a leader in the pro-life movement. Um, it's evident in all of the news right now. And just as I've read so much about you, you are a leader in this pro-life movement. And I want to know, what do you hope the future of this movement looks like? And what part do you want to play in that future? How do you want to help shape the movement, the pro-life uh, movement or the whole life movement? Mm, Lord, how <laughs> you know what? Yes, I just want to hear these words. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. All right, that's All it. Right. And so, however God chooses um, yes. to use me in this movement, I'm fine with. Now, let me tell you, mm-hmm. I will fall to my face the day that God uh, overturns Roe versus Wade. And worship him mm. in spirit and in truth, right? Yes. There I are things you. that you want to see. But let me tell you something. When I first started this, there was still some, you know, it's always going to put these flesh. You just have to kill it every day. You have to die to it every day. Every there were day. times when I wanted to say, <laughs> oh, she's the smartest one in the room. And people say that I'd be happy or she's tough or she's, mm. she's a this and she's that. And you know what? I got to the point. I said, God. If I can be remembered as anything, mm. I want to be remembered as your child. If at the end of the day, yes. the first thing that comes out of people's mouths in my service yes. is that she served God. Mm. That's enough. That's what happens that's when enough. he's bigger. That, that's yeah, yeah. And that's in the pro-life movement. Um, that's in education. That's in, if, yes. if, if, if the people, even in my anger that I have sometimes on the Senate floor, let me be straight, yeah. or in committee, yes. even when I'm frustrated, even when past all that you see, even when I give my most eloquent speech on the floor mm-hmm. and they memorialize it, at Oof. the end of the day, you can be remembered for that. And, and, and maybe there was a time when I wanted to. Mm-hmm. But when, it, when it summed it up, you know what I said? If they, before they say anything else, before they say I'm pro-life, before, if they say she was an advocate for God, then I've done it. Then I've done what God has called me to do. And it didn't, ma- it wouldn't matter the criticism. If they said she was an advocate for God, but, mm. and everything else was negative, I could still throw up holy hands and worship him. And so, even in the pro-life movement, I don't want it to get lost that God is at the center of it. I don't want it to get lost that God is in the center of giving children access to health care and education. I don't want it to get lost that God mm-hmm. is in the center of pulling people out of poverty and saving businesses. Uh, I don't care if you're a billion-dollar business or a million-dollar, two-dollar business, that God stepped in and, and used me to be a voice for you. At the end of whatever I do, I'm yes. telling you, there can be a whole lot of buts afterwards. I needed to start with this child of God. That's it. Yes, that's good. That's good. It's so good to hear that. It doesn't matter what question I ask you. It's coming back to the same, same thing. And that is what I believe life should be either. also, no matter what position that you're in, um, whether you're in politics, whether you 
are in the whole life movement, um, no matter where we are truly, and that's an identity thing. Our identity is in him and we are hidden in him. And like you said, no matter, the hierarchy is him. <laughs> and so the I see that. I see it yeah. so much in your um, life and your ministry. You said your, you didn't say political ministry. You said something. Um, the ministry of government. Yes, the ministry, the ministry of, government. of government. That was God the first time I've heard that. The government shall be in, on his shoulder. Mm. All right now. <laughs> and, 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 and he said that he sits leaders up and put he yeah. puts them up and sits them down. Yes, and so this is a ministry. And, and that's the thing that I think um, I know. Mm. This is This is the truth. I got such a fear in this area. Mm -hmm. I've seen great leaders put up and I've seen them fall. I've seen people loved one day and hated the next in politics. You've seen from one end to the other. Yeah. Shocks and boos and hellos and cheers. and, And it changes. Politics is so fickle. Yes. That the only way that I'm going to stay protected, because I have a fear in God, is that I'm found under Psalms 91, covered in his secret place when the enemy comes to find me. Amen. And and you know what I mean? And so when you look at it that way. Yes. Yes. That's a good way to look at it. (laughs) And then you deal with mm -hmm. complex issues, right? Yes. And some things that you don't know anything about. You deal, you sit and make decisions on stuff you don't have any firsthand knowledge of. What I mean by that is you've never experienced it. I've been in a classroom, so I've experienced teaching, right? Mm -hmm. I've been in a courtroom, so I've experienced statues dealing with the courtroom and law. Mm -hmm. But then I've never, um, I've never been educated formally or treated children with disabilities. Right. Mm, Yeah. I have never owned a billion dollar business, but I make decisions for those that do. And I say that to say that if you don't know him for real, you can't search. It'll show. (laughs) And you can't search for that wisdom that Daniel and the three Hebrew boys had. You really can't. You You can't pull from the Holy Spirit knowledge in that area. And and so that's how I look at it, that if I'm really going to be what the world calls successful. Mm-hmm. If I'm really going to sustain myself in this, it's going to be because God walks with me. And, and quite frankly, in, in the belly of the beast that he carries you sometimes mm. and you can't walk. Wow. So that's why. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you for taking the time to sit here and be interviewed. I'm so thankful that you um, had the time that you made the time for us, you so remind me of David, who was not necessarily trying to be seen, yet God called him and he did a lot of great things. Um, just just in the, that beginning part of his story, just knowing that, like you said earlier, that's this is not necessarily the path that you really wanted to uh, go on at the time that you were being called, but through so many different confirmations. And I love how God did that for you, giving you confirmations through good friends, people that you spend a lot of time with. So thank you for sharing that. As we wrap up, was there any last note that you wanted people to know about you, Senator Jackson? That I, I, I honestly, is a request mm-hmm. that pray daily for me as I pray for you. I don't All have right. to know your name, just like you don't, you know, sometimes know mine. Mm-hmm. Um, that you pay, pray for the brethren of Christ, that you pray for those who are unsaved, that they may know him. 
and that every day I try to get up and I and I sometimes I fail in it, but I try to do the will of God. And and that's the honest truth about me. I can't sum up my legislative career, my pro life stance in any other way that every day I face the same challenge that any other Christian faces to get up, mm. to let the flesh die at once we, the moment we hit our feet mm-hmm. and let the Holy Spirit guide us. And mm. and that is the truth about service when you minister in government. Well, thank you so much, uh, Senator Jackson. This is uh, Erica Collier with the Ann Campaign and Senator Jackson of Louisiana. And this is an episode of Church and Politics. Be sure to tune in next time. Thanks again. I hope you enjoyed that interview uh, with State Senator Katrina Jackson. Again, our thanks to Erica Collier for conducting that interview. You'll hear from us again uh, at the Church Politics Podcast soon, only when you hear from us uh, next, uh, the book will be out. And so we'll be able to tell you about the release and and uh, how things have gone, how we've uh, some of the feedback that we've heard. And we're just so grateful for your support. So until then, this is Michael Weir. This is the Church Politics Podcast. Have a blessed week. This is the groove. Tell me, can you handle it? I'm scolding the ways of runaway slaves. I'm brave. I'm unchained. I'm Frederick Douglass.